All right, welcome back to another episode of First Generation Bowhunter. I'm your host, Adam Buchanan. This is episode 48, and I am a first generation bowhunter. And if you're listening to this, you probably are too, and want to learn more, connect those dots of how do you see more success out in the field, kind of break some things down. And with me today is Josh Kirchner. He is the dialed in hunter. Make sure to check him out on Instagram, YouTube, his website, dialed in hunter. It's an incredible resources. Josh, thanks for taking some time and being with me today. Yeah, no, ha- happy to be here, man. Thanks for thanks for having me on. Dialinhunter.com is it's a massive rabbit hole of information. There's so much here. I've got a few things I want to talk about with you. But first tell me where are you located? How did you get into bow hunting? Break it down for me. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm in, uh, I'm down in Peoria, Arizona. Um, so I'm 30 good night. I'm 37 years old now. I got to remember that and more time that goes on. I lose track of how many years I've been on this earth. <laughs> what, what is it about age 37 and 38? Cause I think I'm 38, but it, it's weird, right? Like this messed up time dude, period. So I think it's, as, I've noticed like, as I've gotten older, it seems like time goes by faster. So like everything's a blur instead of like, Oh, uh, you know, I got to go to school and then I got the weekend off instead of dealing with that. You're like, Oh my gosh, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this. My kid, my wife, you know, like you're, you're doing all this other stuff and time just flies, man. So, um, while the world like seems way more accessible as you get older time just is slips through your hands man so um sorry get off on a rabbit hole there um but uh yeah peoria arizona i started bow hunting my dad got me into bow hunting um gosh i think i was i think i was 15 14 years old and they're only the reason why we did it was because so living in arizona um is kind of a blessing and a curse we live in a trophy state here so uh you have to apply for deer tags rifle deer tags through a lottery system my dad just got fed up with not getting drawn you know and he just he's like i just want to go deer hunting man yeah so (laughs) so um in the regulations at that time there was an ad for archery season because uh just not a lot of people dove into that you know and it was like they wanted people to go bow hunting because it's more time in the field our seasons are generous it's during the rut you know oh, yeah. but obviously it's incredibly difficult because you're bow hunting right so um that's how we ended up going on our first bow hunt we didn't get drawn uh for deer and my dad was like screw that he bought he bought a bow he found some rambo relic of a compound that i could use I remember that thing. It felt like a cinder block in my hands. It was so heavy. You know, it had it, the pins <laughs> on it were painted. They weren't fiber optic. Wow. Okay. So um, we went bow hunting and our first trip out, I don't know how many bucks we saw, which was so far removed from our experience when we were rifle deer hunting. We struggled to find bucks when we, when we rifle deer hunted in October, but during the rut, man, they just all come out to play. And that first year, the thing that really hooked me, uh, I've, and I've written about this before, but I was, we, we had this like really good deer trail located and our plan was, we're like, okay, he, there's deer definitely coming down this trail along this fence line. We're going to get, we're going to get set up and sit up against a tree. We didn't have tree stands or anything like that. We're going to sit up against a tree 
in the dark and wait for the sun to come up and see if this thing comes past us. Well, I'm sitting there and the sun's starting to come up and I can't, I remember I couldn't feel my feet, my, my hands, I was so cold. And I look up and I see antlers coming up over the horizon with the sun. And I could see this deer's breath. It was so cold. And I watched that. It was a mule deer buck. And I watched him walk all the way down towards me. It was basically, we were in a draw. So he was up on the opposite side and he was coming down towards us to the bottom. He's coming down and I could see like, he, I remember it so vividly. Like he had a gray patch on his back and a Roman, big Roman nose, a fat mule deer, like was very well fed. And, um, that deer walked past me at 10 yards and I never even picked up my bow. And, uh, once that happened, I was like, it, I like came to, right. Cause I basically was put in a trance, you know, I, he, he goes, I'm like, Oh my God. So I grab my bow and I get up and I go around the tree and he wasn't there. Wow. And so ever since that point, my, like my drive for bow hunting, I've wanted to be out there bow hunting because the experiences you have that close, you know, during that time of year, you're getting to see some wild stuff during the rut and everything. It just doesn't even compare. Like I rifle hunt a little bit here and there too. That's, that's always fun. Sure. But that is really what hooked me on bow hunting was that first hunt with my dad and just getting that intimate experience with that buck. Oh my word. What kind of emotions do you remember when that happened? Uh, Dude, I was, I was frozen. Like I was excited. I was, I was confused about like, what do I do? You know what I mean? Like, what do I do right now? Um, I completely forgot I had a bow in my hand. Oh. Like I, I had just never had that experience with a, with a buck and he walked past. And then I remember feeling afterwards, um, like that feeling of dang it, you know, like, wait a yeah. minute, but I, I'm like, wait a minute. That was awesome. Yeah. You know, I have nothing, I have nothing to be mad about. I get, I got this rad experience and the best thing about it was I get to get up in the morning and do it, try to do it again tomorrow. You know, so that, that's kind of how I go. That's kind of how I live as a bow hunter, man. It's like opportunity passes you by, but there's another one coming down, coming down the pipeline. Yeah. That's, that's a really good thought process to live by because motivation can be so crushing sometimes. Like we get so worked up in those events and it's like, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. It's like, well, it'll happen. It just didn't happen mm-hmm. today. Yeah. Right. It's wild. Oh my gosh. What what kind of advice do you give to new bow hunters? Like in that regard of, you know, being patient, but being proactive, like what would you say to new bow hunters? In that, like in that instance, like if someone came up to me and told me that story, I'd be like, good on you. You know, like, Cause the thing is, is like there, we live in a very like instant gratification type of world, you know, like yeah. if you, like right now, Christmas is right around the corner, right? I could sit here right now and just order all my Christmas presents on my phone and not even leave the house and just like, boom, it's done. Right. Uh, on December 14th. <laughs> Cause right. it'll, it'll yeah. ship in a day. Right. It's like, it'll right. be here. <laughs> yeah. So like. But with bow hunting, there is no such thing as instant gratification. Like you, you have to go through this process and, and that, that little experience I told you about, that was the beginning of my process. Like what, what did I learn from that? I I learned, 
uh, one, don't forget you have a bow in your hand, right? Like, <laughs> like be in the moment, embrace the moment, but don't forget why you're there, you yeah. know, at the same time. Like the only way you're going to learn how to do any of this is to try to go through the motions. And I guarantee you, you're going to mess up over and over and over again. But the only way that you're going to figure out how to succeed is to mess up. You have to play process of elimination and you learn all these lessons the more and more you're out there in the field. Right. And sooner or later, sooner or later, I do like I remember longing to miss. Serious? Like, I, 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 yeah, dude, because I, I didn't know what it was like to pull my bow back on an animal. Oh. Like, I remember like like t trying to like like be present with these um with these like small victories that yeah. you have, you know, that you have. And I think those get overlooked a lot. Like maybe, maybe you go out on a deer hunt and you get with it, your spot and stock hunting and you get within bow range, but the deer busts. If you've never done that before and you actually get within bow range, dude, that's a, that's a, that's a success right there. Right. You're one step closer to, to connecting all the dots. Yeah. So the next, so I remember being there and being like, man, I had done all that. I remember like, I just want to miss. That's it. I I want to release an arrow at a deer. I don't I don't care if I hit him. I just want to miss. And then that happened. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it wasn't as glorious as I thought it was going to be. Um, but but you know, like it's like you, this happens in steps. You know, and and yeah. it, it, like bow hunting is. A, I've, I've always said like bow hunting is a marathon. It's not a race. You know, like embrace every step of it and learn as much as you can failure or success. And that's going to make you that much better of a bow hunter. I will say when I shot my first arrow at a live animal and I missed, there was a sense of massive success of, Oh my gosh, I did the wind, right? I was quiet. I did these 17 things and the mm -hmm. 18th could have been connecting and recovering the animal and, and 18, 19, 20, 20, you know, but mm -hmm. man, that was a big day. Actually. You just remind me of that. That was a very big day. I mean, I remember calling all my hunting buddies. I'm like, Oh my gosh, it came in and I shot and I missed, but you know, you know, it, it's, it's a big deal. That, that's a, that's it, a great thought. It gives you, it gives you the, um, it puts it into reality that this is possible when, when, when you do that, you're like, I missed so at that point, it's it's just a, literally a matter of inches. Like you just have to make a good shot and this is going to happen, you know? So, and if you did it one time, you can do it again. Yeah. Cause bow hunting feels incredibly impossible those first few times. I mean, you got your bow yeah. and you got your broadhead, you got all this gear, right? And you're walking out there and you're just like, wait, what? Like I got to mm -hmm. get into that. They're 200 yards away. And you mm -hmm. just, and you're not thinking wind, you're not thinking any, you're just like, Okay, well, I'm just, you know, I just made a series of poor decisions so many times, but but it makes that reward so much better when you finally do connect. Oh, yeah, 100%, man. I I if I had a a nickel for every time I've messed up, I'd I'd be able to retire probably, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish that like a, a company would come out of all the multi-billion dollar companies Where's the company that's like, no, we will give you a nickel. Like there should be an app for that. Like, okay, it happened. Give me another nickel. Like, come on. Someone's yeah. got to do that. Cause that's such a funny oh, adage. <laughs> yeah. No doubt, man. <laughs> It'll come. It'll come someday. Um, well, you know, let's talk gear. I mean, 
I, I'm impressed with the amount of content. Guys, you got to watch Dialed In Hunter on YouTube. Unbelievable. You're doing broadhead tests. You're doing rangefinder tutorials. There is so much here. You know, you're doing gear reviews, really great stuff. Talk to me about what kind of changes have you seen in bow hunting equipment over the last five or 10 years? You know, what are, what should people be paying attention to? So the, when I was first like getting into all this, it, in terms of bows, the thing that every, it seemed like every bow company was striving for was speed. Mm -hmm. Like everyone wanted to, to hit like a certain feet per second and just make a faster and faster bow. And through time, you know what I mean? Like we, I think they did that, you know, companies like PSE and Bowtech and, you know, these companies reach these unimaginable speeds with their compound bows. But the, the, the problem, and I like speed, don't get me wrong, but the problem when you get too fast is you, you build an unforget a more unforgiving platform. It's harder to tune a bow that's going super, super, super fast. Mm. Not to mention when a bow is super fast, the cam is very aggressive. So when you, you're pulling that bow back throughout the draw cycle, there, ten, there tends to be like a big giant hump. And I remember, I remember the thing that got me away from that was I had a bow a long time ago and I, and I was, I was drinking the Kool-Aid, you know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I wanted a fast bow and I got one. And it's, it got to the point where I wasn't enjoying shooting my bow because it was just like ripping up my shoulder, you know, mm -hmm. like from pulling it back because it was so aggressive, the draw cycle. Um, so I got away from that and it seemed like a lot of the industry did too, you know, and nowadays what I see more and more with bows is like people are just striving for forgiveness they, they, they want a bow that is smooth drawing. It's light. It's dead in the hand. Um, and you can uh, make a few more mistakes in the heat of the moment, because I tell you what, I like I've been at full draw in the mountains with a bow that, say, has like a five inch brace height, say, OK, which is way more unforgiving. And uh, there's a lot more that needs to happen right in your favor for that to go right. Uh, you know, you have to be way more on your archery fundamentals game to make consistently good shots with a, with like with a uh, with a bow like that. So these days, that, that's what I see these days is more people are going for forgiveness. Um, and I think that's a good thing, man. I, I definitely that's definitely the route I've gone. I kind of I like to walk this like um, line in the middle be between like arrow speed and forgiveness um, because I do like speed because of where I live. So coos deer hunting coos deer down here in the desert. Like, Oh yeah. A lot of our, a lot of our shots are, are longer, you know, like shots compared to guys in the Midwest. A lot of those guys would probably spit at us. You know what I mean? For, for the distances that we shoot coos deer often. Yeah. Um, so with that, you, you get into arrow, arrow forgi uh, forgiveness with that, you know, and with it, with an arrow trajectory that's too steep, then if you're judging yardage, okay, and you're off a couple yards, you're going to miss. Mm. Okay, so basically what I'm getting at is you want like a flatter shooting arrow. for. So all of what all this comes down to, to me, is like a person needs to look at their environment. Like the, what are you hunting? Are you hunting whitetails out of a tree stand where you're not going to shoot more than 40 yards? 
Okay. Are you hunting a hunting elk in dense timber where all you can see is 20 yards? Or are you hunting antelope where an 80 yard shot is very realistic? You know, like, I think that's, I think it's important to like really look at yourself and, and kind of apply said gear to your situation, not this other guy over here that you're listening to. Right. Yeah. So, um, a lot aside, sorry, I got off on a tangent. No, there, but aside from important. that, the other thing I've noticed, like, is, uh, the, just the development in slider sites. That was never a thing when I was, <laughs> when I was younger. Oh yeah. You know, like, like all pretty much all the companies do it now, you know, like you can, you have like a floater pin, if you're running a multi-pin site, you have a floater pin. You can you can run that thing out to 120 yards if you wanted to and shoot these longer distances. Um, whereas before before that was invented, you'd have to pin stack. Which do you know what pin do you know what pin stacking is? No, I've never heard of this. Okay, so like this is this is like this is a practice skill. Like you need to practice this. But so if you have a multi-pin site, um, it, mathematically your pins end up in a certain area based off your arrow trajectory, it's pretty, it's pretty absolute like where they end up. So let's say that you have a three pin site. Okay. And it's set at 20, 30, 40 yards. All right. If you wanted to shoot 50 yards, what you would do is you would put your 40 pin on where you want to hit. Okay. Look up at where your 30 pins at. And then put your 40 pin where the 30 pins at. Does that make sense? Yeah. So on the site, you're not moving anything. You're just adjusting as you're, yeah. you're pulled back. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. So like, yeah. So that's, that's like a, that's what you had to do before the invention of slider sites was to pin stack. And it was always hard. You'd have to like, it always help if there was like something behind a target. Where you could actually, okay, my 30 yard pin is on the knot of this tree, right? So it gives you something to aim at. Now I'm going to put my 40 yard pin on the knot of that tree and my arrow is going to sink right into the bullseye of the target. Okay. You know what I mean? So it's just math. It's just like, it's, it's, it's ballistics is what it is. Yeah. Man, that is, that makes me very thankful for my slider because I came in late enough where you know, I was, I'm buying my stuff. I'm, I'm upgrading my things. And, you know, I was told like, Hey, get a slider. They're amazing. And I'm just like, Oh, cool. Bing, ding, 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 ding. Like, <laughs> so yeah, now no, bro- no worries. That's amazing. That's cool to hear. I, I think that helps people appreciate like just the fact of a slider, you know, what, what, oh, yeah. what that really means. Well, I mean, oh, absolutely. And like the other thing, so like it, it's a pain in the butt to do that. Right. But it made you really understand your arrow trajectory. okay so for for folks like like i don't know if this has happened to you in the past but like arrows deflecting off of a tree or something like that when you're because of the arc because like maybe you're looking at it maybe you're looking at a deer right but between you and the deer there's a branch overhanging and that branch isn't blocking the vitals but because of the trajectory of your arrow going up it might hit that branch before it gets drops down into the the vitals of that deer. Oh, so, so by like the way, so by looking at that, by how like a multi-pin site, for instance, if you, if you're, if the deer is at 40 yards and you put your 40 yard pin on that deer, the, 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 a real quick way to 
kind of tell is if that branch is like somewhat between you and the deer, like halfway, say that, you know, there, there's some, there's some practice that goes on here, right? It, 40 yards, look where your 20 yard pin is. And if the 20 yard pin is on that branch, that means your arrow is going to hit that branch before it gets to the deer. So what you would do is you would kneel down a little bit until your 20 yard pin is not on the branch. And then you'll have a clear shot. That right there, that is so interesting. I think that is like, people have to listen to that twice because uh, especially I'm in Utah, you know, and, mm-hmm. and we're, we're threading the needle pretty often. I've, I've made some pretty interesting shots where I'm okay. What's in front of me, you know, I'm kind of weaving through and it, and it works and it's, it's fine, but uh, that's, that's some incredible advice, especially for us. Cause so much can change very quickly out here. That's the nice thing mm-hmm. about a slider and white teller you know, they're moving and there's, there's things happening, but gosh, that is amazing. So, cause I'm thinking my, my next thought is, well, you just have to wait. You got to wait for the sure. animal to move, but you're not necessarily saying that you're like, no, you can adjust. Yeah. Wow. It's just about knowing what you're looking It's just about knowing what you're looking at. So I just shot, I shot a buck in Utah earlier this year and, um, how that was set up was I stalked it, but deer was bedded. Okay. I stalked in above them. Um, got in above them, but the window that I had to shoot through was like this, right? And on the bottom, there's a boulder. On the top, there's overhanging branch. The boulder was semi-covering up the vitals of that deer, okay? But because I knew my arrow trajectory, I knew my arrow was going to go over that boulder and down into the deer, okay? So if somebody else may have been looking at that, like on the surface, they may not have taken that shot. Opportunity missed, though. You know what I mean? So knowing that I made a clean shot on that deer and it it hit him perfect. And he just ran downhill and fell over. How would you set up a, a mock, uh, site or setting up the foam or whatnot to understand your arrow trajectory? Cause that that's incredible. So there's a few things that I've done in the past to, to really like experiment with this. What you can do is in terms of knowing your arrow drop, this is really easy. Just you want a rather tall target for this. Okay. okay. Start at, and if anyone's familiar with walk back tuning, you'll understand this a lot more, but um, start at like 20 yards, put a dot on the target where you can aim, shoot 20 yards and then go back to 30 and use the same pin. Use your 20 yard pin to aim at that dot and see where your arrow hits. Mm-hmm. You'll, yeah. you'll, your arrow's going to hit lower. Okay. And keep going back, go back to like 50 yards and use your 20 yard pin and see, see what your arrow does and how, like how much it drops. And you'll see that the, 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 the only way that I've personally found, I I'm a multi-pin guy. Like I, I don't shoot a single pin and, and this yeah. is one of the reasons, uh, cause bow hunting happens fast. Right. And like, I want as much data as I can in the moment to absorb so I can make a good shot. So what I I literally just did this let uh, a couple months ago. I set up this thing that you're talking about, <laughs> yeah. and I made a video for Onyx on it. Okay, so um, put a target out there, you know, pick pick a an area like it might be a hill, maybe it's a little rise in 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 the land or something like that. Put the target yeah. behind it, okay, and range the hill. Where's the hill at? Range the target. 
Okay. So we'll set up the same scenario. If the target is at 40 yards, but the hill is at 20 yards. Okay. You know, okay. It, as long as the hill is not completely covering the target, you need to be able to see the target. All right. You know that your arrow is going to go over the hill. If your 20 yard pin is above the hill, when you're aiming with your 40 at the target, does that make sense? Oh my gosh, dude, you're blowing my mind right now. This is this is why I started this podcast is because of stuff like this that people are like getting out of their seat like wait a minute. Cuz in my mind, my whole bow hunting experience has been see deer, put pin on deer, shoot deer. Yeah. But we know that's not you know, that there's so many things that get in the way and just you talking about the boulder and the tree and the Utah when you shot, mm -hmm. dude, I'm I'm geeking, I'm geeking hard right now because I've got I've got a place where I shoot actually with another guy who has a podcast just near me. We call it the trench, and um, there's these cool mm -hmm. setups we could do like this. We could mock that up, no problem. I'm, dude, yeah. my 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 next text after this is to Skyler, my my friend, Hunt the West podcast. We are gonna set this up, dude. I am so jacked right now. This is gonna be fun. Oh, I've, I've I've talked with Skyler before. He's nice, nice guy. Yeah, he's a good dude. Ah, um, yeah, arrow trajectory. We, do we we do that in holes through trees too. Yeah, that's another good thing to do. Yeah. Like put put your target like find a hole in a tree. You know what I mean? Like a gap, like threading the needle. Like this is a perfect example of that. Put the target beyond that. Come to full draw. Where range the tree, range the target, so you have that information. Then take your multi-pin sight and come to full draw and see where that tree is landing on your sight when you're aiming with the proper pin at the target. And if it, that pin is on the tree, you're going to lose an arrow. Okay, so like I've had this happen to me in the field on animals, which is why I have experimented <laughs> with it so much. Yeah. Okay, like shots like I like five. Like I remember my first like early archery elk hunt in Arizona. First and only at this point, kind of like pulling teeth, getting a tag here in Arizona for that. But um, I called in this five point till I think it was like 40 yards or something like that. Comes right down. Perfect view of him. Come to full draw. Nick the branch. Never even touched him. And ever since then, I've been like, dang it. You know, like, <laughs> I gotta, like gotta pay attention to this arrow trajectory oh, stuff, man. So, man. Yeah. That's amazing. And then, I, and, and then my a friend of mine, um, we just this past November, uh, the only reason he killed his bull, we were having he had a late archery bull tag here in Arizona. He stalked in. He got to sixty yards. The only reason he killed this bull was because he did what I'm talking about. Because there was a Palo Verde tree coming up, bull was feeding, and it was just covering his heart. Okay, the tree. But he knew where that was. So this is this. You, you, I need to point this out before people start going and trying to shoot rocks. Okay, <laughs> you need to you you need to learn what your your animal. Learn anatomy of the animal that you're going after, so you can know where to put that pin, where that pin's supposed to go on the animal before you start trying to do this. Yeah. But he knew he knew where to put that pin and basically aimed directly at that Palo Verde branch with a 60 yard pin. Okay. And the arrow went right over and went right through his heart and the bull fell over like 50 yards later. Jeez. 
And he came up to me and he said, dude, I, I watched that video you did for Onyx and that's why I killed that bull. Oh, my word. I'm going to find that video and, and put that at the top of the show notes and be like, this is the video. Um, and we are we are going to get that. Gosh, that sounds amazing. Oh, my word. Because I think this would also improve people's confidence a little bit, too, of like, hey, you know, there's ways around it. We, we know things mm-hmm. happen, but understand your gear. And I think these are the things that we don't talk about a whole lot. It's like FPS, four mil versus five mil arrow. And it's just, yeah. you know, draw weight or whatever. And it's like, no, there's more happening that we're not maybe giving enough attention to. This is, this is great. It's, it's more like, um, there's gear, there's, there's education on gear and then there's education on hunting, you know? And I think a lot of people get wrapped up too much in gear, which I love gear. I'm a gear nerd hundred percent, but gear can only get you so far. You know what I mean? Like what's between your ears is, is really what, um, connects all the dots for you. So, man. I'm excited for I seriously I'm like looking at my schedule I'm like okay when can I go set this up when can I go <laughs> I was yeah, I was man. talking to uh Kendall Card over at Camelfire and he had this idea that he wants to set up these like really exclusive hidden 3D um like targets out in the wild mm-hmm. and then drop pins and then invite like a small group of people like hey you know Kind of like a DIY, not a DIY, but like a um, like a 3D hunt that's just kind of as you can go over there and, and get it done and kind of. Yeah. But I think setting up these like trajectory shots would just add a whole new dimension to this. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, it, it makes it, it makes a success seem a little more accessible by knowing that stuff, you know. So let's talk about angle compensation on rangefinders because I think you've got trajectory, which is so well explained. I mean, that that right there, I think, could just be its own little mini episode and <laughs> people could like dive into that. And, and thankfully, you've got a video, some great resources there. Angle compensation, I think, can pair well with this. Talk to me about how do people need to think about their rangefinder and ankle compensation? So, um, the thing there's two different, like, okay. So on most rangefinders these days, you're going to find a line of sight mode and a, some type of angle compensating mode, like depending on the company and how they brand it, you know what I mean? It, it all does the same thing. Yeah. There's a, there's an equation. There's a little bit of math that needs to happen here in order to um, get the proper range. And before, so before angle compensating range finders, what people did was they carried cut charts with them. Okay. And Basically, so I have a cut chart that that I've experimented with with my range finder, okay? Just because I was curious. I'm like, should I trust this computer in my hand or should I trust the actual math right here on a piece of paper? Mm. Um, and basically what it does is when you when you aim steep downhill or steep uphill, you need to be aiming less, okay, than... Uh, you would if you were shooting straight. Okay. So let me, let me, let me try to break this down. Let's say this is a tree. Okay. 
so so for people not watching this, uh, my hand is straight up in the air, right? <laughs> um, if you're at the top of the tree and you have a deer down, you know, your rangefinder line of sight is 20 yards. Line of sight is this distance right here. It's the angle from the top down to the deer. Yeah. All right. What you need, if you shoot that deer for that distance, your arrow is going to go over the tree, over the deer. Okay. Because of gravity. All right. The distance that you need to be aiming for is the horizontal distance from you to the deer. Okay. So if this is 20, 20 yards here, mm -hmm. the distance from here to here might only be 15 yards. All right. Yep. So if you aim for 20, you're going to go over the deer. So, so the, these angle compensating range finders, they do the math for you right on the spot. So you can make the proper adjustment in, in the field. I've done it before where I've been, I've been, I was 18 yards standing above a black bear that I stalked in Arizona. And I put two arrows right over his back because of this, because wow. I didn't, I didn't have the, the, the math to know the proper range. Okay. So, um, I would say the best thing to do here is go experiment with it. So you have a little bit of confidence with yeah. it. So the thing with Western hunting, man, especially like where like your neck of the woods, Utah, man, there's some steep country there. Totally. You know, and you need to, you need to know like the, the angle that you're aiming at because um, you're just, I mean, you're, you're going to, you're going to go right over the deer if you don't. <laughs> like, so, so I've got a vortex 1500 rangefinder, right? It's the, yeah. 299 special. It's, I, I love it. I've, I've shot with a vortex for many, many years. I'm going to ask you a very basic question. You're probably going to be like, dude, this is so obvious, but this is what we embrace here on first generation. Bow Hunter. So yeah, man. I'm like, I shot a deer two weeks ago and I'm talking mm -hmm. 45 degree angle. I'm down below deers way up high, 89 mm -hmm. yards, complete mm -hmm. heart shot perfect she was down in 10 yards mm -hmm. when i ranged her was my vortex rangefinder compensating for that angle like how did so that work out so perfectly so the vortex rangefinder has i would have to honestly look in your rangefinder to see if this is on or not but yeah. it has uh to it has a line of sight mode okay which if you use that what it's going to, what is going to, the readout is that it's going to give you is the line of sight distance. And then it'll also display the degree of angle above that. All right. And the reason they do that, this is how I tested out the cut chart that I have mm -hmm. is I was like, okay, line of sight distance is 50 yards, but it's at a 20 degree angle. So I went to, I refer to my cut chart, go down to line of sight, 50 yards, 20 degree angle. What's, what's the cut for that? Okay. And maybe it's three, four yards or something like that. So, uh, the other mode though, that the vortex rangefinder has is HCD mode. So what that stands for is horizontal component distance mode. It's going to give you the horizontal distance on an angled shot, which is the distance that you want to be aiming at. So yeah. I, I can't tell you if your rangefinder was set at that, cause I need to look inside of it, but if it was, that's why that worked. It sounded like it was. That's that's why it worked out so well. Cause it and it does all the it does just does all the math for you. Now, there are some like professional archers out there, okay, that will disagree with that. 
all right? These guys are trying to hit a, a dime, okay, at whatever distance. They're very, very precise. They're more accurate than you and I will ever be, okay? <laughs> so they know this to a T in terms of their cut chart, and they'll argue, oh, yeah, the rangefinders are off. Mm. Maybe, maybe that's true, okay? But to me, they're they're not off enough to make me miss the lungs. Right. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? So um, it gets it gets you in there. And I did it. I did a video on this and showed you the difference between using line of sight mode with your rangefinder and using HCD. I shoot at the same exact distance, same angle, same spot, same setup, everything. And you'll you'll see the difference between the two arrows that one's higher and one's lower. Wow. So my recollection is when I was setting up my rangefinder the first time getting information I'm gathering from mentors, I do remember someone saying, have it set to the HCD. And it was one of those things yeah. like you do once and then you're like, great, what bow am I going to go buy? You know what I mean? It's like, right. oh, don't yeah. bother me with the details. I, I'm going to go yeah. focus on gear, which I've been guilty of. But that actually makes sense because of the area I'm in, the angles, because I've shot five or six deer that way and mm -hmm. I've never had an issue. And it's like, perfect heart shot they go 50 yards they're down and i'm like oh okay meh so you know that yeah. worked out right yep uh yep. so i must be in hcd mode yeah you'd have to be because the other thing is uh the longer the distance the more uh drastic the cut is going to be yeah okay so the steeper and longer so i have a friend he shot a deer in utah um great big old buck the, the, the range finder, the cut, okay, told him to aim for 50 yards. What the line of sight distance was, was 100. Really? It was like, so it's super steep. Yeah, it was super steep in a, in a far shot. But because like with it being super steep, like it could be, because you, you got to think of gravity. Like if you're way up top yeah. and you're aiming almost straight down, gravity isn't going to fight your arrow as much as it is if you're aiming on a flat trajectory. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh my gosh, dude. Another like mind-blowing little sub-episode here, guys. I mean, this is, but but that's the thing is like those early days, we're excited to go loose an arrow. We're excited, you know, but the more we know of how our equipment, like how advanced our equipment actually is, this mm -hmm. is, this is gold. I mean, this could change someone's season. This is crazy. Oh, dude, I, the, the, so it stands out to me, like I have my own experiences with it, but my dad, like he tells me a story. I don't know how many times he's told me the story throughout my childhood, but he, you know, he sat in a tree in New York with a bow deer came in to feed and he was like 15 yards and he shot right over the deer's back because he didn't know this. Wow. He he didn't know like what to compensate for. So. So basically I'm going to point to a few of these incredible videos in the show notes. It's called why you need an angle compensating range finder, how to shoot angles. Yep. This mm -hmm. is, I mean, the, the amount of information on Josh's YouTube is so impactful. I mean, he's got really great, gear reviews. He's got incredible ways of like understanding your gear. And on top of that, he's got these incredible stories. Uh, this latest one's out now is presence mule deer in the Idaho backcountry. So 
watch for that incredible footage there. And that looked like a solo hunt. Um, I was the only one hunting, but I had a camera guy with me for that. Awesome. No, that's great. So that was nice. No, that's man. Awesome. Storytelling. Just in, amazing. And I want to touch on a few things before we, you know, we're kind of wrapping up here. You're the author of a book called becoming a backpack hunter. So this is something speaking of <laughs> last minute gifts and comfort and possibly throwing yeah. something under the tree. I, full disclosure, I just texted my wife this book and cause she's been like, do you ever get this with like people who are buying gifts for you? They're like, what do you want? What else do you want? What else? And, and I'm just like, I don't know. Like I, you know, and I sound like a geek cause I'm like, well, I could use a new set of 125 grain broadheads, you know, but, um, <laughs> she, she's just like, pat, like, what do you want? And I'm, so I just shot that over. I'm like, okay, I got it. This is what I want. Becoming a backpack bow hunter by Josh. <laughs> That's awesome. So tell me about the book, the inspiration behind it and how it can help others. Yeah. So, um, I started backpack hunting probably like eight years ago or so, maybe going on 10. And when I first started, um, that like, Right from the get-go, like before any of that, I, I I remember having a conversation with my buddy. We were driving uh, to go fishing way early in the morning. It's dark. And we were talking about backpack hunting. And I said, I would never do it ever. It Like it sounded like, I was like, why would somebody put themselves through that? Like uh, me sitting there, like in a truck, like we're going fishing and the truck bed is almost all filled up and we're only going to be gone uh, the day. You know what I mean? So like, so, uh, it, but it was just my ignorance on it, you know? So, um, long story short, what ended up happening was, uh, I educated myself a little bit more about it and the gear and everything. And then I looked at it, I was always looking for ways to include my wife in things. And, um, I looked at this and I was like, man, you're basically, you're, you're just backpacking with the weapon. Right. Mm. So I was like, maybe this is something I could do with my wife as well. And we can go backpacking. And then I can just have like a set of binoculars with me. You know what I mean? Uh, when, when I wasn't hunting. So that's how I started, um, getting used to living in the backcountry was backpacking with my wife. And that, then I went on my first backpack hunt and, you know, the resources, in terms of backpack hunting, they're all, they were, they were all out there, but nothing was condensed in my opinion. So what I wanted to do was from, from a perspective of, I'm not an expert at this. I'm not. Okay. Um, which I think gives me a leg up in the conversation with newer people doing it because I know the stupid questions that you're going to ask. I'm, you know, like I'm, I haven't been backpack hunting for 30 years. So I decided to write a book on it, like everything, like from you don't even know if you want a backpack hunt all the way to you're packing an animal out back to the back to your vehicle, everything in between, like all the gear, all of it is it's all in the book, like like someone that has never done this before will be able to pick up that book and then go on their first backpack hunt after that. That's that's what I wanted to do. And and uh I'm, I'm super grateful. It sounds like that's what I, that's what I did do, you know, based on what people have said about it. So the reviews are super positive. I mean, you've definitely made an impact, I think on people. So 
make sure to check out this book. It's Becoming a Backpack Hunter, A Beginner's Guide to Hunting the Backcountry by Josh Kirchner. This is available on Amazon and paperback and Kindle. So I'm going to be doing paperback. Sometimes like I've got different approaches with my reads. And so I'm, this is, this is going to be, this is going to come out with me. Like, well, maybe you don't recommend that. You're like, don't take this book. It's too heavy. No, but um, I, no, I'm, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to bring it out with me, especially for some off season, like training and stuff. I, I like to test sure. run gear as well. Uh, so I'll, yep. I'll actually throw my bell on my, on my, you know, pack. And so I'm excited to kind of dive in and follow that. And hopefully it's sitting under the tree unless my wife got me some weird workout equipment, which is also gladly accepted. So, um, <laughs> well, this has just been awesome. I mean, you know, Josh, you've been on bow hunting world magazine covers, bear hunting magazine covers. You're doing incredible work, super generous with all the information that you are sharing. So make sure everyone that you are following Josh, he is the dialed in hunter on Instagram. That's kind of the the hub. You've got a lot of great things, even like the highlights of your stories. There's, um, you know, gear breakdown, bear hunting breakdown, a lot of great stuff there. You're also on Facebook, and so jump in on that. And of course, this is dialedinhunter.com. That's kind of where a lot of the long form stories are. And the YouTube, I, I think the YouTube is the thing I'm most excited about. I'm of, ironically, I'm a very visual person. I don't know why I do a podcast because it's only one sense of audio, but hey, I'm having fun. But uh, no, yeah. the YouTube is amazing. I mean, you're, you're up to almost 4,000 subscribers, just incredible information there. Um, Gosh, I, I've learned a lot on this episode. There's so much I actually personally want to rewind and kind of go back to. Um, but but tell me, you know, we're we're in mid-December. Are you kind of wrapped up for hunting season or what else do you have coming next in your plans? So uh as far as 2022 goes, yeah, I'm just hanging out, gonna enjoy the holidays with my family. Um, I've been hunting pretty much all year. <laughs> like it's been a long year. Um, but I'll be backpacking back in on January 1st for coos deer for our archery, um, over the counter archery season. So yeah, that's what I got coming up next. And then I'm going to go down to Mexico later in the month in January and hunt coos deer down there too. And it, yeah, it's, yeah, I know seasons for most of us are kind of winding down, but they don't pick up for a while, but it sounds like you're weeks away from oh, really yeah. picking back up. That's amazing. Yep. Wow. That's awesome. Well, Josh, thank you so much. This has just been a packed episode. I feel like we're probably going to need to have you come back on in a few months uh, just because I feel like we kind of hit the tip of the iceberg of the amazing information that you have. And there's, there's so much. So we'll, we'll chew on that for a while. And then once we've, you know, progressed a little bit more, we'll, we'll see if we can have you come on back for a, a 2.0 version and, and just learn more from you. This has been awesome. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd be happy to jump back on, man. I appreciate you having me on. Always nice to chat with like-minded folks. That's great. Well, thank you so much. And for those listening, really appreciate you jumping on, tuning into episode 48. This has been with Josh Kirchner and diving into learning more about being a more dialed-in hunter. So thank you and consider subscribing. If you're liking what you hear, if you're like, man, I'm going to text this to a friend. I'm really enjoying that episode about trajectory and what my rangefinder can actually do. 
then uh, drop a review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps. I get an email about every other week where someone says, man, I just found this podcast on Apple Podcasts. And that's because of reviews. That's for my listeners. So thank you so much for tuning in. And if you want a first-generation Bowhunter t-shirt, I've got those. Venmo me 15 bucks, and they can be yours. And if you're also curious, I've got vinyl stickers that I'm literally cutting myself, learning how to do that. But I can get you one about a 10 by 10. It's pretty cool. So drop me a line on Instagram at Adam underscore Buchanan and tune in for the next episode. Thanks again for joining.